Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in plant school. Hello and welcome to plant school. So happy to have you here today. I was thinking before I get into this episode, you know, it's been a while since I have done one of my giveaways where I give away some of my plant school merch. So in the next episode or two, I'm definitely going to have another giveaway. So if you haven't yet, All you have to do is share this podcast with a friend, can be verbally, it can be online, wherever, through an email, whatever your jam is, and then you just message me on Instagram at tinnyplants, or if you don't have an Instagram, you can email me at tinnyplants at gmail.com. Either way works, but just let me know that you've shared and I will enter you into the giveaway to win some free stuff. It really helps this podcast to have you share it with others who might be interested and I really appreciate the love and support that you guys give and I want to give back just a little bit and that is why I do these giveaways. So yeah, if you're interested, share it with someone, let me know that you've done so and hopefully you'll win some cool stuff. And if you want to know what some of that stuff is, there is a link to my merch shop in every podcast episode in the show notes it'll say merch store and if you click that link you can kind of take a look around at some of the things that you could win you can buy some yourself if you'd like to do that it helps this podcast keep going and I really appreciate any support that you can give whether it's through sharing or whether it's by purchasing something in my merch store anyways getting into this episode I was having one of those weeks where I was just struggling thinking of what to cover in this week's episode. Some things fell through. I wasn't on top of some things like I should have been. So after getting a few messages with some suggestions, I decided to follow up with one of those and do a men in botany series. So women in botany still around. We're still going strong, still going to do it. But I do want to occasionally you know, represent the outstanding men in the botanical field and give voices to those men who have passed on or who are still living. We can do living botanists. That's fine. So far, they have all been ones that have passed on. And also, like, as a note, I'm not going to be covering the standard men in botany that you've probably heard of, such as, like, Carl Linnaeus, who, you know, came up with the whole categorization of plants, or Gregor Mendel, who's the father of genetics. I think we all know those people and it feels too much like a science class because you probably have already heard it all in a science class at some point or another. So we're going to focus on people that don't often get talked about and what they contributed to the botanical world as well as just who they are, what their history is. So today, as you can see in the title, is the history of George Washington Carver. He is someone who I've heard his name, but I didn't really understand all that he had done and all that he had to go through to get 
to who he was. He's a pretty amazing man, and I'm so excited to share with you guys what I learned about him. So diving right in, who is George Washington Carver? Just like a little snippet of him, he was an American agricultural scientist and inventor who is most known for promoting alternative crops to prevent soil depletion. I think that's so cool because alternating crops, like going from, let's say, wheat to corn or something else, that seems like common sense now. All farmers do that. But in his time, this was something that was new, and he is the one who came up with it. We're going to talk a lot about it. And he is also one of the most prominent black scientists of the early 20th century and was named in Time magazine as a black Leonardo. So really, an amazing man. That is just his snippet. And we're going to start by diving into his early life and kind of following him on a timeline of what happened in his life. So George was born into slavery, and he was born in Diamond Grove, Missouri in the mid-1860s. So his exact birth date is actually unknown. They believe it was 1864, not really sure on that one though. So his master's name was Moses Carver. He had purchased George's parents and three others in 1855 for $700. And records say that Moses was actually against slavery. He was an immigrant from Germany, but he needed help because he owned a 240-acre farm and wasn't able to manage it all on his own. When George Washington Carver was an infant, there were actually night raiders that came in from Arkansas and kidnapped him, his sister, and his mom. And he was one week old at this time. I can't even imagine how terrifying that must have been for his sister and his mom. Because, first of all, she just gave birth one week ago. I cannot imagine being kidnapped, like, one week postpartum. And then his sister wondering, are they going, you know, to make it? So, these night raiders would come in and they would sell these slaves in different places. So, they were sold in Kentucky... And Moses Carver, the original master that bought them, he got John Bentley to go out and find them. The unfortunate thing is, is that John only found George, who was still an infant at this time. And what he did is he traded one of Moses's best horses to get George back, took him back to the Carver's estate. And a few years later, when slavery was abolished, the Carver family took George in, they took his brother in, who was still there, and they raised him as their own children and had them live with them. So from a young age, George seemed to find comfort in botany due to his traumatic childhood. He actually was a pretty sickly child, had a lot of health issues, and so he learned a lot about herbal medicine, about natural pesticides and natural fertilizers while he you know, couldn't do much of the other work, and he was known to help crops and houseplants that were dying. So as a teenager, he was termed the plant doctor because of these skills that he had. When George turned 11 years old, he was encouraged to go to school and pursue learning. Moses and his wife, Sarah, they really wanted their children and their adopted children to go out and learn as much as they could. Unfortunately, the school next to them was not accepting black children, so George had to travel 10 miles where he found a room to rent with Maria Watkins, and he traded labor for a room to stay in. She was actually a really kind woman and really made a big impression on George. One of those big impressions was when she told him this. She said, you must learn all you can, 
then go back into the world and give your learning back to people. And that really stuck with George. You can kind of see that throughout his life, that that is kind of the way he lived, that he he learned all that he could. He constantly gave it back to the people wherever he went. So after he had finished his schooling there, he applied to several colleges. He was actually accepted to Highland University in Kansas. But when he arrived, they saw that he was black and they refused to let him in due to his race. He eventually went to study art and piano at Simpson College in Iowa. His art teacher saw his paintings of plants and really encouraged him to study botany at Iowa State Agricultural College, which is now Iowa State University. So he decided that he would. He applied. He got in. He was the first black student at Iowa State, and he graduated in agriculture. His thesis title was Plants as Modified by Man in 1864, and he was the first African-American to earn a Bachelor of Science degree. I think it's so cool to learn about these people who really paved the way. We had this with Kate Sessions, who was one of the first women. I think actually she was the first woman to earn a Bachelor of Science degree. And I think it's so cool. I I know it must have been really hard to be breaking the norm like this. I'm sure there was a lot of hate from the people around them. And so I think it's really admirable for these people to be the first in their fields and how they continue to go forward even after earning their educational degrees. So George decided, with the encouragement of one of his professors, to stay for his master's degree. And this is kind of when he gained national recognition and respect as a botanist. People came to know his work. He was always interested in agriculture, and he started to be known for that. So he also taught at Iowa State, and he was the first black faculty member there. So a lot of firsts for George Carver. And from there, his fame continued to grow. I'm going to take a quick break right here, and we will jump right back in to George's rise to fame, how he dealt with that, and kind of the key elements of what he contributed to the botanical world. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, and we are back, jumping right back into George Washington Carver's life. We left off, he's working at Iowa State, the first black faculty member. He was there for a while, and he eventually moved to teach at Tuskegee Institute, which is now Tuskegee University. He stayed there for 47 years as the head of the agriculture department, and he did so many things there. I could go into like the tiny details of like what he taught, what he was in charge of, but I want to really hit on the highlights because there is so much that this man did. So in 1915 to 1923, he mainly researched and experimented with peanuts, sweet potatoes, soybeans, pecans, and some other crops, mostly legumes, as you could probably see from that list. And this work that he did led him to be widely known as maybe one of the most well-known African-Americans of his time. So what exactly did he do? 
He developed techniques to improve soil that were depleted from the repeated planting of cotton. So from his research, he really urged people to start to rotate crops. And he encouraged them to rotate with sweet potatoes or legumes like peanuts and soybeans because these crops help restore nitrogen to the soil and they can be consumed. They're food crops. So these plants, how this works is they are known as nitrogen-fixing plants. They have these little nodules on their roots they're like little I don't know not like bumps they almost look like little beans growing on their roots nodules and they house a soil bacteria called rhizobia and that bacteria fixes atmospheric nitrogen into ammonia for the plant to use so it basically is taking an unusable form of nitrogen and creating it into a usable form for the plant and it returns it to the soil which when you switch back to cotton really helps the cotton take off and have higher yields the next year because the soil has been rejuvenated with all that nitrogen. Whereas when they were just planting cotton again and again and again, they were using up all that nitrogen. There was no more to be found. So the cotton production of their fields were going down because the plants had no nutrients to really be taking up. So this fix that problem. A lot of farmers didn't really want to do this. They weren't too jazzed by the idea. They thought that, you know, they would be losing out on money because cotton were their cash crops. And so what George Washington Carver did is he developed like hundreds upon hundreds of recipes that use the rotation crops that he was suggesting. So he made recipes for sweet potatoes, for peanuts, soybeans, And I'm going to go over those in just a second. But first, I want to let you know that this work that he did of rotating crops, this is kind of what led to his fame. President Theodore Roosevelt admired his work publicly, and George had multiple other ties to the Secretary of Agriculture in the U.S. government. So very close ties to like the big wigs of the government in his time. In 1916, he was made a member of the Royal Society of Arts in England, which only a few Americans had even received at this time. And shortly after, in 1920, he exhibited all of his peanut products that he did. And he kind of got the nickname being the peanut guy, and you'll see why. He did this for the other plants as well with like sweet potatoes and stuff, but I'm mostly going to highlight peanuts Here's a very small list out of the 145 peanut products that he came up with. I think there's more than that. Some lists had 300, some had 145. I think for his 1920 exhibition, it was 145 and it grew from there. So here are just a few of the standout ones, but there are so many. He created peanut soup, which was like a combination of milk and butter and flour and peanuts. Those are literally the ingredients that I used. (laughs) I don't know if I'd ever eat peanut soup. I'm so sorry, George, but maybe I just got to try it and see. Oh my gosh, maybe I should try some of these recipes. Like they actually exist online for people to use. Am I brave enough? I don't know. If you want to look them up, be my guest. You can make any of these things I'm about to mention. He created peanut bisque, which is another type of soup, peanut bread, oatmeal peanut bread, which I actually heard was pretty good while I was doing all this research. He created peanut rolls, 
Swedish nut rolls, peanut cookies. That was a winner. I love peanut butter cookies. Uh, peanut bars, peanut wafers, peanut muffins, like literally anything under the sun that you can think of, he put peanuts in. I'm going to keep going, okay? He made peanut muffins. Did I say that one? Peanut donuts, peanut ice cream. And surprisingly, he did not create peanut butter. I That was like mind-blowing to me. I'm like, come on. That was like... As I was reading through his list, I'm like, where's the peanut butter? He had to have created peanut butter. That's like a staple in the American diet. I don't know if it's a worldwide thing to have peanut butter everywhere. I feel like whenever I've had friends live abroad, they will ask for people to send them peanut butter. So I assume it's not a super like world-renowned thing. Maybe just Americans are obsessed with their peanut butter. But yeah, George Washington Carver did not come up with that idea he was probably really close. But besides food, he created recipes to use peanuts for insulation, for paper, for wood stain, for soap, shaving cream, and skin lotion. (laughs) I'm just imagining someone putting on peanut butter lotion. I'm not sure if I would like love that smell. I think like animals would really love that but I don't know maybe maybe it doesn't smell like peanut butter but I'm just imagining someone putting peanut butter or peanut oil all over themselves maybe that's not the case and so he also did this like I said for the other rotational crops so like with sweet potatoes he created a lot of recipes for like dyes wood fillers candy breakfast food, library paste, etc. So many for sweet potatoes as well. And this was all to encourage people to use these rotational crops and hopefully like create an industry that would be using all of these crops and they could use them in so many ways and they wouldn't just be relying so much on cotton. It wouldn't be as big of a deal to be switching out these crops and they could take better care of the soil because this soil is their livelihood. They are passing it down to the next generation usually. And so if they aren't taking care of it, then the soil is going to get depleted, not give you as big of yield with your crops. And so it's so important to be taking care of your soil. And this is something that all farmers do now. It's like I said, it's like common sense for a farmer to do this, to have rotational crops to replenish the soil. But it all started with our guy, George Washington Carver, or the peanut man, as he was known. So all of this led to his fame, right? This is what he was known for. And he seemed to actually really enjoy the fame that came from his work. He was often promoting his university that he worked at, Tuskegee University. He promoted peanuts and the uses of peanuts and also racial harmony. He met with Theodore Roosevelt, Calvin Coolidge, Franklin Roosevelt. He even met with the Crown Prince of Sweden. And he came to study with him for three weeks. The Crown Prince of Sweden came to study with George for three weeks, which... How cool is that? Henry Ford, you know, the guy who invented the Ford car, he invited him to speak at a conference in Michigan and they became friends. George even traveled to India to discuss nutrition in developing nations with Mahatma Gandhi. And yeah, he just had this huge circle of fame. And interestingly, he was frugal his whole life. 
he really did not spend that much money. He created the George Washington Carver Foundation at Tuskegee University in 1938, and he did this by donating $60,000 then. So now I converted it on Google yesterday, $1,223,421. That's crazy that he saved that much and donated that much. It just goes to show the character that he had. He, he was famous, but he never really flaunted that fame. He enjoyed what he had, but he never was extravagant with his money and what came from his research. So near the end of his life, he actually had a bad fall down a flight of stairs. He had some complications with anemia, and that is what caused his death on January 5th, 1943. He was 79 years old. He died a single man. He was never married, and he was buried next to Booker T. Washington at Tuskegee University. In his old age, he wanted his life savings to be donated to the Carver Museum and the Washington Carver Foundation that he had created, which I think is amazing. I'm sure it was much more than the 60000 that he had given earlier. And his childhood home is actually now a national monument. It is the first of its kind to honor an African-American. And he was also inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. And this happened after he had passed away. Overall, looking at this man, you can see that his childhood was not easy. It was not ideal circumstances. There was a lot of racial prejudice that I'm sure he dealt with his entire life. And yet look at what he was able to accomplish and how he affected the agriculture of not just like the United States, but of the world. The practices of farmers today were influenced by this man due to his research and his desire to share it with the world. So I hope you guys enjoyed learning more about George Washington Carver. I know this was a bit of a different episode highlighting one of the amazing men that are in the botanical field. If you like stuff like this, be sure to let me know and I will keep doing it. I really enjoy learning more about how, you know, agricultural practices or landscaping practices, anything in like the green industry was influenced by these early botanists and what they were doing in their day. So if you like it too, let me know and I'll keep doing these. But I hope you guys have the greatest of days. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to win some Cool Plants School March, go tell a friend about this podcast. I would really love that. I would love you and just really appreciate you helping this podcast out and growing this community. Have a great day, guys. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.